I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing that was all started by a mouse. Hello, everyone out there in podcast land. This is the Beyond the Mouse podcast, the podcast for all things Disney, for NPR Illinois Community Voices, and for the Front Row Network. I'm your host today, Craig, joined by my co-host, Ms. Vanessa Ferguson. Well, hello, Mr. Craig McFarland. And Mr. Brad Rutherford. Well, hello there. <laughs> it's good to we, be here. We are so excited today uh, because this is a returning Disney legend. We had the chance to talk to Jody Benson a couple of years ago, and she was really one of the first people that allowed us an interview. Uh, we really dove into various aspects of her career. The documentary Howard had just come out, so we talked a lot about her relationship with Howard Ashman. And now it's great that the filmmaker of that documentary, Don Hahn, is now being recognized as a Disney legend as well. We're certainly going to talk to her about the Legends Award in this upcoming interview. Interview. But I'm just so excited to get a chance to talk to her again today. She's an Illinois native. She's our own. Uh, she's from Rockford, went to school in Decatur at Millican. But Brett, talk to me about your excitement to talk to Jody Benson. Well, I mean, who, when do you have the opportunity to talk to Jody Benson? Well, this is our second one, so that's amazing. But I loved her book, and it meant so much for me at, you know, sometimes when I was, you know, having a little bit of a hard time, and it was just a wonderful inspiration. So I can't wait to talk to her about that and also let her know that her book meant a lot to me. Absolutely. So we are talking to her today about her book, Part of My World, and that's going to be released on September 13th. So you can find that at independent bookstores. Of course, you can also get it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever you'd like. But Vanessa, talk to me about Jody Benson. Oh, I'm so excited to talk to her again. You know, it's fun because we follow a lot of Disney groups on Facebook and it's so fun when fans will get to meet her and then they talk about it online and every story that they tell is consistent. She's very kind. She gave them the her time. Like she actually looked them in the eye and talked to them. And it's so great because it's like, well, everyone's having that wonderful experience that we've been lucky enough to have and we'll have again for the second time today, which is so exciting. And again, that book, I love this book. There are so many great moments and inspirational messages. And it's fun to see her be like us. Like she's one of us, like she's human. She, she goes through struggles just like we all do. And it's, it's a really, really great book. So I'm really excited to talk to her about it today. Yes. And I don't want to stay in the way of this interview any longer. So here is our chat with Jody Benson, Disney legend, Jody Benson. It is such an honor to bring back to the show Jody Benson, Disney legend Jody Benson. How are you today, Jody? I'm doing really great, and I appreciate you having me back on your show with all of you. Hello to all my friends in Illinois. Absolutely. Of course, you're an Illinois native, born in Rockford. And we had so many people when we mentioned we had a, a chance to chat with you again. Everyone's like, hey, she went to Millican. So uh, right next door to us. So we're so glad to have you on. And I just wanted to say that I really enjoyed your book. And I want to say thank you for uh, being so vulnerable in that book. I really uh, enjoy that uh, people are open and you share some of the struggles that you had as well as the joys that you had. Uh, and throughout the difficulties you faced through that, you had that line of positivity that you kind of exude as a person. And Paige O'Hara actually mentions your positivity as well. Can you share with us your perspective on staying positive and extending grace to others? Yeah. Well, first of all, I never wanted to write a book in a million years. So I just need to be boldly honest with you about that. Um, but uh, after several months of pursuing the uh, Tyndale Publishing 
And my brother, who's an author, basically said, um, okay, if you share 24 little vignettes, not an autobiography, not a memoir, and they're thank you letters and love letters to the people along your journey, Howard Ashman, to Disney, to my voice teacher at Millican. And if one person picked up the book and read one little story and felt encouraged, would it be worth it? And I said, okay. For that, I will go through this pain because it was really, really hard to do this book, really hard. Um, so positivity, you know what? I, you can ask my husband. I am not positive all the time. In fact, I got up this morning at 6.30 a.m. and I sat in front of him while he was having his cup of coffee and I just whined for about five minutes. I just whined, just, you know, I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't feel like being on camera all day long. I just feel old. Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, would you like some cheese with that wine? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so then he, he's like, do you feel better? I'm like, yep. Yeah. I'm going to go get my coffee and get started for my day. So realistically, no, I am not positive 24 seven, but throughout some of my, some of the journeys and the adventures and the ups and the downs and everything mixed in between, you know, the foundation of who I am as a person, and this is not a Christian book by any means, uh, but obviously within my stories, I kind of get down to rock solid foundation as faith. I know that I'm not the be all end all, that, that definitely there's something greater than me. Thank you, God, that, that there is, um, because that would be a wreck if I were in charge. Uh, so I think what comes through in these stories is that you'll see that foundation of just who I am. You know, I've been a person of faith since I was a little girl and it wasn't necessarily affiliated with a church or an organization, but I had a really deep connection to God as a little kid. And I, I used to talk out loud and, and I really felt like I was being heard and, um, just had this kind of a relationship ever since I was a kid. That's so great. And we really just appreciate uh, that kindness that you have as well. And I'm sure we're going to get into that. But Vanessa, you had the next question. Yeah, well, you know, Jody, I know you mentioned that you didn't want to write this book, but I have to be honest with you. There are so many notes that I made in the book, which at first I just started underlining things. And then there'd be like this really wonderful message that just really hit home. And I I just have all these hearts where I would just heart the message throughout my book. So, I mean, was that something that you knew you were going to do when you were writing the book? Because there are so many little profound nuggets of wisdom that I think readers can really apply to their own lives. Uh, well, first of all, that's super sweet that, that, that you say that, um, no, what I did with this book and it was, it was intentional was I just recorded my voice for hours and hours and hours with Carol, my writer, and then Tyndale just transcribed it. And then we kind of reorganized the stories. We had about 65 stories and then we narrowed it down to about 24, 25. And so there's not really a lot of editing. It was really just me talking off the cuff with no plan. She would just pop out a question. And then for the next four hours, I just start to, to talk. And so we did these sessions day after day after day of four hour sessions. And, oh, the poor transcriber, I'm sure she, he or she got sick of that. But it's not written. It's just me chatting. And what you probably hear coming out of me is what was poured into me by these people on my journey and I'm just uh, repeating it 
sharing it, passing it on because it made such an impact in me. In fact, I was just sharing with my daughter a couple of days ago, um, something that had been poured into me as a young uh, performer. She's a musical theater major her senior year at CCM in Cincinnati. And I found myself just blurting out something that was embedded deep down in here because I'm old uh, that had been given to me from somebody else. So I think that's kind of what I am. I, I kind of see myself as a, uh, a conduit, sort of like a little pipe that has open ends. And I'm just that little piece in the middle. I don't think great wisdom comes from me, um, nor necessarily pours out of me. I do think I'm a conduit, though, of what people have poured into me and, and a vessel to just let it roll out. That's so great. Now, I'm ready to hit the subscribe button on Jody Benson's podcast if you want oh, to no. just continue those stories. <laughs> Brett, you're up. Well, I've got to tell you that when I found out that you were writing a book, I thought to myself, this will be the perfect combination of Illinois hometown and college life stories and stories from life on the Broadway and wonderful Disney stories. So it's like everything I love. So uh, you had me at the get go. Now, the first time I read your uh, your book, Part of My World, I was in the hospital waiting room waiting for my dad's hip replacement surgery. And I, I honestly, I really have to tell you, it was a real blessing of faith as this past month has been. We've had some medical life challenges for both my father and for me as well. So I thought of your book often, and it's given me a great amount of comfort, really. So oh, thank you. Well, so thank again, you. you know, that that's encouraging to me to know that whatever was poured into me and I kind of pour out into this book, um, that you're, you're that person, you know, the person that yeah. picked it up at Just the right place right. and read yeah. some little thing that kind of went, Oh, wow. You know, that, that kind of helps me in my little rough moment. It really did. So it really did. That's Thank a blessing. You. Thank you. As we've mentioned, faith is such an important part of your life. I really recommend this book to anyone who has a need for a pick me up <laughs> or a message that everything is going to work out as it should. But one of the messages that you had for readers that I, I circled on the book is when God gives you a gift, he's going to give you a way to use it. And so could you talk to our listeners about using those gifts that you were given? Yeah, it's funny. Yesterday, I was just um, reading something on, on, a, on a news article that was on Instagram, because I have to do that for work. So I have to kind of go through messages and clean things up. But I'm not a big social media person. It's not really my cup of tea. But there was somebody sharing something that I exactly went, yes. Yes, that is exactly what I was trying to communicate. Basically, God gives you natural gifts, whatever those are. And our job is to figure out what those are. We can't want somebody else's gifts. You know, we can't be in this American Idol thing that I want. You know, everybody's got to be a singer. Everybody's got to be famous. Everybody's got to make a lot of money um, and, 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 you know, be on national television and sing when they're tone deaf or they can't sing. You know, you, you can't learn how to sing. You, you have to have the natural natural gifting of, of being able to sing. And then of course you can coach and train and, and grow and expand. And, but you cannot, people ask me all the time, can you teach my child to sing? And I'm like, can they match pitch? No, not really. No, no, you can't. I'm sorry. It's just, a, it's a, it's a gift. So you have to figure out what that natural gifting is and you can't want somebody else's. You got to figure out what it is for you then you take that sweet spot and that's where God comes in because when he gives us a gift, 
and wants us to share it. That's the other thing. Well, I only want to share my gift like this or here, or I only want to get paid for my gift, or I only want to, I only, I only, I only. Well, you start getting a little messed up there because it is a gift and we do want to share it, but we need to be open and think outside of the box. Because I tell you, you know, I can sing in front of 18,000 people at the Hollywood Bowl. I can sing in front of the Tokyo Philharmonic, um, you know, with this amazing world-class orchestra. Or I could sing, (laughs) you know, um, on the screen here in my little studio for um, a patient in a children's hospital. Mm -hmm. Just she and and me together, just the two of us. And it can be so fulfilling and so rewarding. So again, I have a gift, but I don't necessarily have to choose how that gift is going to be shared. And that's where I think we have to get thinking outside of the little box. I got to make a lot of money and I got to be famous. That was never my thing. When I was eight years old, I told my mom, I want to sing, dance and act. I would like to get a paycheck. I would like to be able to pay my bills, period, because I just had, I knew I had a gift set and I wanted to share it, but where it was going to be shared and how it was going to be shared, I didn't put that limitation on it. And speaking of sharing that gift, you have been so generous to us in allowing us now to speak to you for a second time, this little podcast from Illinois. And someone else that also gave us that uh, generous gift right away was Kevin Lima. And so I don't want to spoil some of the behind the scenes that you give great behind the scenes looks at your (laughs) career that are in this book. But I'm wondering if you had uh, something from your time in uh, on the set of Enchanted or anywhere else that you would have worked with Kevin in particular that you'd like to share with us now? Right. Well, Kevin and I are friends. He was one of our animators for The Little Mermaid originally. Mm -hmm. So when he was selected to direct Enchanted as the feature film director, this was, it was huge for him as an animator to be able to do live action and direct. So it was really just a joke. It was supposed to be the three of us princesses. It was Judy, Paige, and myself Mm -hmm. that really weren't you weren't supposed to recognize us. It was an Easter egg and you were supposed to find us. So my little thing started out to be where I was just going to walk past the fish tank where they play part of your world in a Muzak format. But then it turned into, well, now she has a name. Her name is Sam. And now she's got some lines. And I was like, oh, oh, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. (laughs) And because I'm half Italian, I talk with my hands all the time. So I'm doing the scene and Kevin's like, okay. So I said, Kevin, I've never done a movie before. And I haven't done TV since probably the early eighties. I don't know anything. So just teach me. And Patrick Dempsey was so sweet. And he taught me too. like, here's where the camera is. And then this red light goes off. This is the, and so I'm talking like this. And then Kevin comes over and goes, Jody, you, your hand is in front of the camera. I said, well, there's six cameras. I don't know. Like, I'm not looking at the camera. I'm talking to him and I'm talking to her and I'm looking at the fish. And he goes, well, when the red light flashes, that's the one don't put your hand in front of. Well, I was like, well, that's complicated because now I have to go back and forth like this, waiting for the red light and then make sure my hand, you know, (laughs) it's just, it was so comical. Oh my gosh. I mean, all I kept doing was saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, (laughs) 
but I had a blast and Patrick and I had fun. And then they, they created a second scene. So they called me up. They're like, well, we're sending you out to LA. You've got another scene. I'm like, what, why, why are you inviting me back? <laughs> That's so frightening. So he had me come back and do another scene and it incorporated props. Oh my gosh. So many props. I had to put Patrick's jacket on. I had to hand him papers and I had to hand him his briefcase. And then I had to hand him this big old umbrella. I'm like, what are you doing to me? I can barely (laughs) talk and walk at the same time. Oh my gosh. But it was so much fun. I I did. I had a blast. It was a one and done. Uh, That's not happening again, I'm sure. So, (laughs) but it was a lot of fun. It is so fun to hear like how you react to this, this moment on set, the way we might react to it as well. And I think that's one thing that I really loved about your book is that we're getting to see Jodie Benson, not the little mermaid, but Jodie Benson, the actual person, uh, the, my co-host here, they like to make fun of me because I once asked Alan Menken what he was having for dinner. It was chicken by the way, in case you're wondering. Um, but I think it's fun to get to see the human side of people and how they act just like us. And, and so I just wanted to ask you, was it important to you to kind of really show those those real human-like experiences, those real struggles that you had that you talked about in the book? Yeah. I mean, like I said, I didn't want it to be an autobiography, a tell-all, a dish fest, um, a memoir. I did want it to to be a thank you letter. Um, And so I, I was conscious about making sure that the stories that I were sharing, this was my goal. Whoever picked up the book, I didn't want anyone to feel excluded and I didn't want anyone to have their feelings hurt. So those two things were really important to me. And that was in the back of my mind as I was talking. Yeah. Yeah. But I have to point to another moment of the book too, because like when you go to New York and you are in a very tiny apartment. It's like, see, even Jody Benson starts off in a tiny apartment in New York. It's, it's so <laughs> great. Oh, yeah. So I started out on uh, sofas, sofa surfing, and got my first uh, job 10 days after moving to New York with $100 and slept on a sofa and then went on the national tour of Joseph and got my equity card, which is just freakish to do that on the 10th day. Um, But then after the tour, I crashed at um, my friend who was on tour with me, uh, Jessica. I crashed in her little office, which was like a six by six on a, um, not on a mattress, sort of like a sleeping bag kind of thing. And I woke up one day and my face uh, was bitten by cockroaches. Oh, Oh, no. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That's my eyes was swollen shut. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we, Hey, been there, done that. Yeah. <laughs> Attacked yeah. by cockroaches. <laughs> <laughs> Go figure. But you know what? It's a story. It's a story. Sure it is. It's yeah. Absolutely. It's a real story. And it happened. And, wow. You know, so um, I can, I can pass it on to say, you know what? Been there, done that. I know what that's like to live in a, a little square. I know what right. that's like to be attacked by cockroaches in the middle of the night, sleeping on the floor, Uh, you know, so you just do what you got to do, but it never phased me. It never phased me because I knew I had this set of gifts that I wanted to share. And I didn't really care that everything had to be perfect. It was just like, I'm just going to share this and let's see what happens. Let's just go for it. What have I got to lose? 
So, you know, walking in a blizzard four and a half blocks with quarters to do your laundry was no big deal for me. It's a big deal now if I think about like, wow, what the heck? I did some crazy stuff at 18, 19, and 20. You know, in a blizzard, carrying your laundry with your quarters, it just didn't phase me. I got to have clean laundry. So we're going to make this work. It, it's it's crazy. You know, you kind of look back and go, wow, I had a I had a lot of gumption. It's <laughs> <laughs> the Midwestern right. gumption. You know, it's, it's yeah. the Midwestern <laughs> thing, you know. I mean, it could be another coast thing, but it's definitely Midwestern. So I mean, I didn't, I didn't think any big deal of it. It wasn't like I went, oh, my gosh, I got to walk four blocks in the blizzard to do my laundry. Oh, I wish I had a better life. That never oh. crossed my mind. Oh. I was like, hey, when you get some clean laundry, it's a good day. That's so, great. Walk in the snow in New York. <laughs> That's kind of dreamy, you know, in some way. You know, I, if, Jody, when, when people talk about Howard Ashman, they always mention his creative genius. But you have just the sweetest story about him, and, and it really gives us insight into who he was as a person. There was a moment in the book where you're struggling at an audition, and he breaks his own rule to help you. Mm-hmm. In, in that difficult moment, can you share that story with our listeners or you want to keep it for the book? Just a little bit of no, it. No, I, that? I, yeah, I just, I love the story because it's real. And the only people that know the story are me and Howard and Howard's partner, Bill. Um, and so, yes, Howard broke professional uh, protocol in an audition for a Broadway show, uh, Smile. And after four, I think it was four callbacks, I was, I was really struggling. And um, he, uh, yeah, he just, he pulled me out of the audition in the middle of the audition. And um, I just broke down crying, knowing that I was being cut, you know, thank you so much. And we're going to let you go. And he said, I'm going to do something, you know, he just said, I, I, I have to tell you, you have the part, you already have the part. And I just switched from thinking I was getting cut to, oh, my gosh, I'm going to create this starring role on Broadway. And he goes, I just couldn't watch you go through this anymore. It was unbearable. I just couldn't do it to you anymore. So now I want you to dry your tears. And I want you to go back in there. And you're going to have to keep this between us. You can't tell anyone. And I said, yes, sir. And went back in. And he went home that night to his partner. And he told Bill. And Bill and I shared the story with each other. I'm like, Bill, do you? Did he ever tell you what he did? He goes, yes, Jody. He walked right in the door and just said, I can't, you know, how was work today? And he's like, um, I did the unthinkable. I, I did the wrong thing that no one should ever do, not only as a director and a lyricist and executive producer, but I broke the protocol. And then he told him the story. And, you know, that just shows who Howard was. He was very empathetic. And because he was so brilliant and 20 years ahead of all of us with his brain and always 10 steps ahead of us, people assumed he was aloof or people assumed that he was um, scary. I felt he was scary when I went to the auditions for Smile because he sat there like this, just kind of whispering and talking, writing, looking. It was kind of scary, like, you know, not, not particularly friendly. Like, hey, how are you? You know, like my personality was like, come on in. What, we, what are you going to share? What are you going to do? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Always like, and so he's kind of, you feel like he's aloof, unapproachable, and then boom, he does something like that. And so that was the side of Howard that I was able to see because I'm, 
I'm so blessed and fortunate that I not only he was my director on a, you know, a Broadway musical with Smile that I worked with him for three or four years, but then we went right into Mermaid for another mm-hmm. two and a half years. So I'm, I'm one of the few people that have worked with him twice. And so by the time we did Mermaid, we were friends and we knew each other, but he was still my director and he was still the person I looked up to. So yeah, it was really amazing. It was wonderful to be able to share that so that people could see that other side of him that I saw. That's great. It kind of took your breath away when you, when you read that in, in the book. Yeah. Oh. And, and your book is so conversational. It's so interesting to say that it was a conversation, but it was, it was just, yes. I love that part of it so much. So. Oh, thank you. That's sweet. So Jody, I'm going to be meeting Faith Prince next month. And I was really excited to, to read about her in your book. And, and you're just so gracious when you talk about the Tony Awards and when you were nominated and Faith was nominated. And I was just wondering if you could kind of give us um, maybe any behind the scenes uh, moments from that Tony Awards. I mean, did you get to congratulate your fellow nominees? Did you get to hang out? Yeah. Once the nominations come out, you have a month where you do a bunch of stuff together. And you do the Tony brunch together and you get to meet each other. Of course, I looked up to Faith. She, she, she was and is a Broadway icon, you know, to me. Um, and even though we're kind of in the same age bracket, give or take, uh, I always looked up to her. I mean, she was just and is phenomenal, brilliant. And I was able to see her as Adelaide. I mean, show-stopping performance. So it was wonderful. Like I said, I didn't expect to be nominated because the category was going to be really filled up. And sometimes they do four, sometimes they do five, sometimes they do six. And so I didn't think I was in that top group, which was totally fine because I was, you know, it was kind of a, kind of a newcomer. And I had only done um, a handful of Broadway shows that were all flops. So I wasn't, you know, really known kind of in the Broadway community. Of course I had done Mermaid by then, but that didn't translate at all for Broadway or New York at that point. Um, which is totally fine. So I just, I, you know, I, I was so shocked to be nominated. And the fun thing is then you start doing stuff together. You do press and publicity together. So yes, absolutely getting to. So to be in the category and then not worry about winning, you don't have to worry about a speech. You don't have to worry about anything was just so freeing to have a blast because we were the opening number for the Tony Awards. And that was a huge honor yeah. to have our segment of I Got Rhythm be selected and to have this wonderful compilation of songs to be able to present at the opening when the curtain right. Oh my gosh, it was just so much fun. So yeah. the Tonys for me were stress-free and lots and lots of fun. But when wow. you talk to her, just tell her, I'm such a huge fan of hers. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe that she had the most amazing role on a television series called Drop Dead Diva. And I believe she played Brooke Elliott's um, mom. Uh, no, uh, the, the character that the alter ego, she played her mom. She was brilliant in that series. Absolutely brilliant. So anyways, yes, I'm a big fan. And you can tell her I said hi. She doesn't really know me. She probably doesn't remember me from all those years ago. But anyways, I know who she is. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. I will check out that show and I'll be sure to talk to her and tell her you said hi too. That'll be awesome. Yeah. Like I said, she probably won't remember me, but you can tell her that, Hey, back in the day we were, you know, we we were cohorts on Broadway at the same time. Awesome. Brett, I think your question's up. Yeah. Well, I was thinking when I was reading your book, it's a story of faith, trust, and seashell dust. 
Yay! <laughs> you may use that if you want to, or not. You know, it's entirely up to you. But I'm just like going, you know, it was a little, a little, um, you know, down on the faith, trust, that. and pixie dust. So, so you can. Yeah. Welcome to, welcome to. But now that now that we have, okay, it is an honor to speak with a real Disney legend. At, at, at the same time of this release, D23 Expo will be in full swing. And we have learned who will be the next Disney Legends. And what advice would you give these folks about receiving this prestigious award? Oh my gosh, just savor the moments that you're up on stage receiving it because it's just, it's such a beautiful, uh, amazing, once in a lifetime honor. Um, and it gives you the opportunity to thank everybody. And I did jot down uh, a, a bunch of names on a little piece of paper. And uh, it was just wonderful to be able to turn and say thank you. And I'm excited because some of my, my coworkers are finally being recognized. Don Hahn, after being with the company since 1976, I texted him right away. I'm like, this is long overdue, buddy. There were so many people my year that I would have easily given my award to. Um, and one of them is Don Hahn. The other is Chris Montan. Chris mm -hmm. Montan is uh, somebody I've worked with for 35 years, and he's finally being recognized. And uh, he is the gentleman who called me about being inducted as a Disney legend. So I'm so thrilled for the two of them. So deserving. Wow. And you told us that story, that wonderful story last time we spoke to you, that you actually thought you were being let go from the yeah. Disney company. And yeah. then here you are being uh, given this amazing honor. Uh, you know, you've had the opportunity to meet so many wonderful people. And early on in the book, you talk about how you own every piece of music that Barbara Streisand has ever performed. And I just wonder, people are so excited to meet you and you're so kind to them when you meet them. But are there celebrities out there? that you kind of still get excited about when you get a chance to interact with them or, or want to interact with them? Well, that's my bucket list is I have never met Barbara Streisand. Mm. So I am, I ask everybody if you have any way, shape and form of a connection for me to say, to have 30 seconds of time to say hello, that I would, I'd probably melt. I'd probably fall on the floor because that is the voice, that is the character that I just looked up to. I love her storytelling within song. I love that every note doesn't have to be perfect, but the acting has to be perfect. Mm. And um, I still study everything about her. And then to get to work with Marvin Hamlish for so many years. And of course, Marvin was her personal private pianist, arranger, um, a songwriter. And uh, so, ah, I can't believe all those years I worked with Marvin and all the concerts that we've done, that it never happened. That it never happened that I got to be Barbara. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, that would be a dream. Her and Celine Dion. I think uh -huh. those would be the two that I would probably have to really get my words centered and gathered without breaking down crying hysterically. Mm. And, and just think about all the people that, 
you're that moment for, like to be able to meet you and to be able to meet uh, this voice that has carried them through so many of the moments in life where they might be struggling. And so that's why it's amazing the the kindness that you exude, the work that you do for Give Kids the World, the work for you do for other organizations, uh, that moment that you're talking about doing something uh, small in a hospital bed for a sick child. That's why I think so many people absolutely love the person that you are uh, because of those moments. So I, that's not a question at all. I just wanted to throw that out there uh, that you're <laughs> well, great. That's a, very, that's a very, very sweet thing to say. That's a very yeah. sweet thing to say, but I do remind myself because I do meet thousands upon thousands of people now during convention season um, that my two or three minutes with them, I focus completely on them. I tune everyone else out. I'm fully engaged. I'm fully listening. And um, I'm not just putting my head down, signing something for them or taking a photo and then going back. I really do want to connect with each and every fan to hear their story. They love to share their story of where they were the first time they saw the movie, what they were wearing, who they were with. I always keep a box of Kleenex on my table because um, by the time they wait in line and get to me, I know where they're at. It's a trigger for them. It could be a lost parent. It could be a lost child. It could be um, a tragic reminder in some ways, uh, trauma, um, just a variety of things for people. And they always apologize when they cry. And I hand them a tissue and I say, please don't, don't cry. You know, your story is precious. And I appreciate them sharing their story with me it lets me intimately have the privilege of being um, a part of their story. I love parts of, in your book where you said, I'm going to pause for a moment to let that sink in. Yeah. I love that. I love that. But, you know, and it was because it, it is a great moment to take a pause. So thank you for that direction. But yeah. it was a, it was a really great way to get your reader to, to be a, a part, well, to bring them in. And I'm really looking forward to the audio version, to buying the audio version so I can hear you read that line. I'm very much well, looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah, uh, the audio book, it's so funny. Of course, I've been behind a mic professionally for 35 years, but to narrate these personal stories was, was hard. It was really mm-hmm. hard. And mm-hmm. um, my engineer here in Atlanta, I've worked with him for the last 17 years. And I, I had to say, John, you know, we've known each other a really long time. But what you're about to hear for the next five days for five hours a day is going to be different. You're going to get Mm -hmm. to know who I am and you may want to be my friend on Friday or you may not want to be my friend on Friday. But I do hope that, um, you know, that it'll be okay. Um, Whatever you hear, I hope that you're not offended or I hope you don't feel hurt or uh, so he was so sweet. So the very last day, he's very quiet. The very last day of the audio book. Of course, it's exhausting. You know, you can barely even keep your eyes open. You're just wiped out after sharing things. And of course, I'm sharing them in real time, in real emotion. So I'm really crying and I'm not crying on a cue. I'm crying because I'm saying things that are really hard for me to say. And so it was emotional. It was a roller coaster. So on Friday at five o'clock when we finished and he was walking me outside of the studio, he said, Jody, I'm that one person. And I was like, what? He said, remember when you told me the story that you didn't want to write the book and that if one person picked up the book and one person read one little story and felt encouraged or maybe wanted to 
think about things a different way or maybe wanted to try something and maybe not make the same mistakes that you did. He goes, I just want you to know as you leave today, I'm that one person. And that was just the sweetest thing that he could have said to me leaving work that day. Um, so I feel like the audiobook, I I had to make it real and authentic and vulnerable and not perfect. But as a voiceover artist, that was hard for me because I'd want to do a line over again to make it vocally perfect. But I had uh, a director, well, I had John in the booth and then I had a director on my headset. And she's like, no, uh-uh, we're not going to do that over again because you stumbled over that word because of the impact of that word. I don't want it to be vocally perfect in the studio. So that was a little bit of a challenge for me to mm-hmm. not make it vocally perfect. Well, now but I even want to hear all. it even more. So I can't wait. For but <laughs> we'll see. I haven't heard it yet. I don't know if I'll listen to it. I don't think I will. Yeah. Well, you lived it. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. But you mentioned in your book that you had the opportunity to perform in Dear Evan Hansen, but you decided to turn it down. Now that your kids are beginning their careers, do you think, do you think you would be more likely to say yes if offered the opportunity to perform in a musical again or? Yeah, that was that was a that was a lovely call from the casting director and the agent from long ago, back in the day when I was doing Broadway twenty five however many years ago. It's been now since crazy for you in nineteen ninety four. I think I left the show, um, and they said, "Would you please fly up? You know, come up to New York, audition for the national tour." And it was my daughter's senior year of high school, and I said, "Oh, you're so sweet to even think of this old broad." But no, I I'm I'm all in with my daughter for her senior year. She's going to be doing six shows and I, I help her, you know, and I just want to be here for her. And they're like, yeah, um, I get asked that question a lot, especially by the New York agency, because they want to submit me for stuff. And I'm like, eh, eh, oh, I, I just don't know. I mean, eight shows a week um, would be a huge commitment, obviously, for me and for my family and for my, for my husband and myself um, to leave. The lake in North Georgia would be a, a big thing. Three months, four months, six months. I, I think I'd be a little bit more open to having a New York experience again for my husband and I to live up there. But for him to live here and me to live in New York, with we chose a week for a year. I'd have to ask myself why. What, what, well, you both can be, be cast. <laughs> what would be the purpose? You know what I mean? Like, to add another line on my resume. I'm, you know, for a paycheck, you know, I, I just, I'd have to ask the reason why I'd have mm-hmm. to find the purpose of that. Mm-hmm. It would have to be a story that I could connect to that. I feel like I have something to offer, mm-hmm. but there's just a million people now that, that desperately need a job and desperately need their insurance. And there'd have to be a really strong reason why I would answer that question of why, and it would need to be a good reason, not mm-hmm. just a, you know, because I want to do eight shows a week again. You know, I had such a wonderful season. And honestly, after Crazy For You, it would be so hard to go back because I would be constantly comparing to that experience. And you can't do that. That's not fair. Um, mm-hmm. Because that was such a perfect four-year period of time from start to finish of a Broadway, creating a, a starring role on Broadway. Nothing will ever touch that. So there's that little thought in my mind if if I go back, I'm going to be going, oh, oh, it's not like that. Oh, mm-hmm. oh. and I don't, I wouldn't want to do that. That's not fair, you know, to the mm-hmm. project. 
Mm-hmm. So I don't know. We'll have to see. Yeah. Limited well, run, you know. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Well, speaking of your family, that's something that I really enjoy from the book is, is the way you talk about them, the way you talk about your kids. It's, it just makes me smile. And I was just wondering if you'd like to take a moment to kind of tell us what they're up to, what they're going to be doing in their careers. I think when the book finishes, they're just about to, um, they're finishing up college. Like you said, you're, I think you're, one of your kids is in their senior year. So, you know, what, where are they going to go? What are they doing? Well, geez, thanks for asking me. I love talking about them anytime. <laughs> So I'll start with our oldest, McKinley. He is 23 and he just got married uh, June 2nd to wow. his seven-year sweetheart, McKenzie. Oh. Yes, McKinley and McKenzie. Hence, we call them Eminem. So, <laughs> been together for seven years. He met her when he was 16. She was 17 at church on a Wednesday night youth group. Wow. One girlfriend, first girlfriend, first kiss. And oh. his bride. Super sweet. So they got married June 2nd. He graduated during the pandemic a year early from SCAD, uh, Savannah College of Art and Design in Atlanta as a filmmaker. He has his BFA in film and television production. He's been working nonstop in Atlanta since February 2020. He is now the new associate executive producer of Sweet Magnolias on Netflix. Wow. And we're so proud of him. He just started on Monday and he loves it. Um, of course, he hadn't watched the show, so now he has to watch it because I love the show. But I'm like, you have to know every episode in order to start your job. His beautiful bride, Mackenzie, who we adore, she is my daughter in love, not my daughter in law. And she is a principal photographer and colorist, uh, fashion photography for Stitch Fix, which is a fashion company. Wow. Yeah. And they're based in San Francisco, and they have their warehouse photo studio in Atlanta. They found an apartment when they got married in the middle between their two jobs. They are living their best life. Delaney just started her senior year BFA musical theater at CCM Cincinnati, which is my dream school. And um, she is a senior and just started classes on Monday. She's been working professionally uh, since May of 21. She has been doing it. So it's super exciting. She just finished doing Gabrielle, the crazy stepsister in Cinderella in Birmingham at a regional theater. Mm -hmm. So she's getting those paychecks going, starting her savings account. She is doing concerts with me. We did the symphonies together. We're doing cabarets together. She's been on the ship with me doing concerts. We are doing a production of Gypsy together. Oh, oh, wow. Oh, there's our limited run. So... (laughs) I've never done Mama Rose. I'm scared to death. She plays Louise. We're going to do that together in the spring in March in Florida at the um, Broadway house, the Barbara Mann with the full Gulf Coast Symphony Orchestra for two nights. She's taken off the school. Her dean at the, you know, of course, at the school said it's a professional job. Great check for her. And so I'm so excited for her. And this is just an amazing opportunity to get to do this show together. So then she'll go to New York and well, she'll just go anywhere. She'll audition and go anywhere, whether it's Disney Cruise Line, regional tours, national tour, non-equity tour. She just wants to work. She, she has a wonderful skill set. She's much, much more talented than her dad and I combined. Um, she really is. And she's a brilliant actress and an unbelievable dancer, having had no dance training her whole life until she went to college. 
an amazing tap dancer, um, an incredible vocalist, effortless first soprano, sings Christine in Phantom of the Opera when she wakes up without warming up. She has a high E flat. That's ridiculous. She can belt high Fs waking up and just belt high Fs. That's a natural gifting because she's never had a voice lesson until she went to college. Um, She was a soccer player her whole life. And that's what she was pursuing was professional soccer. And then all of a sudden one day when she was 14, turning 15, homeschooled high school, I think I want to be in a musical. (laughs) So that's kind of how it started for her. And then, you know, she goes to audition. She's like, I don't know if any college will take me. I don't know. I'll just start going. First audition, CCM, they call her a week later. You're our girl. You're going to be my first freshman for next year. She's like, mom, I I, I got into CCM. I don't know. Is that a good school? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. The answer to that is yes. It's, it's, it's incredible. We have a a show that's now doing, we call it original Broadway cast and they're doing CCM um, a lot because he went to school there for broadcasting. And so he's bringing in all these people and it's just like, it's incredible. The talent that comes from that one school and that one connection point that he had. So he's, he's talking to all these old friends from college and everything. It's just incredible. It's incredible. CCM I think is second or third in the nation for their musical theater program. And She's having the time of her life and talk about training. Oh my gosh. Every time I see her get back up on stage professionally after she's had another semester of training, I just sit there like, I can't believe this. I mean, what in the heck? This is crazy. This is crazy good training at her school. So, um, and of course I stay in the background. Nobody knows. So when she auditioned, she auditioned by herself and, um, detached my name from it completely did not want to get into anything with with any connection to me at all which was great and so they did not find out it wasn't until after she was accepted and we were on the campus uh moving her in that one of the seniors I didn't have my baseball cap and my braids because I was always kind of like hanging out in the back far far away from her that put it together Oh. And that was that was a hard day for Delaney because she felt felt like a target was on her back a little bit with the students. Um, understandably so. I mean, the, the kids were lovely to her, but there was always that underlying. And she's like, Mom, they don't understand. I just started doing this a couple of years ago and I've had no professional training. They all think I've been doing this my whole life, but I've been a soccer player. Whereas most of these kids have been training since they were two, three, four, five years old. Mm-hmm. So she's like, I've got so much to catch up to. And so she had to sit down with her professors and say, I need the target off my back. I'm not my mom. I just started training here with you. And so you've got to think of me as a new kid on the block. You can't think of me as raised in a musical theater you know, where I've been doing shows with my mom since I was three years old on stage with my mom my whole life. And then they kind of go, oh my gosh, you're right. We are projecting something onto you because of your parents. And that's, that's not fair on our part. So her freshman year was really rough. And then she was able to advocate and communicate to people going, you can't have this level of this bar Well, it's interesting. She has far surpassed the talent of both my husband and I on her own in the last three years. And she's standing in her own 
choose now. She's standing on her own. And it's, it's a beautiful thing when your kids are doing what they love to do and they've done it all on their own. Same with McKinley. So he's already done three Disney plus Hulu shows and they don't know who he is. Oh, that's wonderful. And like a freakish after nine months on tell me lies, his boss came up to him one day and he goes, wait a minute. minute. (laughs) Is your mom, Jody Benson, the little mermaid? And he looked around to make sure nobody heard. Yes, sir. That's freaking awesome. (laughs) (laughs) That's so great. Amazing. Same way. Like don't come to, you know, hide at school. Don't come. He thought about change, taking his middle name as his last name, his first semester at SCAD, but he got all that on his own and nobody found out until the end of his freshman year where he had already established himself had already done. And then the Disney plus Hulu shows that he's gotten, none of them knew. And some of them still don't know, which is awesome. You know, I I mean, that was really important. So I've got these two kids that do not want any help. And I'm like, you got to get the job. I mean, I'm happy to open a door, but you got to get the job, but they don't even want me to open the door. I'm like, okay, that's good. No worries. Well, it's incredible that our, our time with you uh, is brief today. So we know it's coming to an end and we're, we're just so grateful for your time. I do want to ask the, the briefest of uh, questions and then we've got one more wrap up. But uh, very quickly, uh, we heard a little birdie has told us that you are quite the roller coaster junkie when you're in the parks. I just need to know like your couple seconds review of Cosmic Rewind now okay, that you've got so, a chance yeah, to try it. Seconds. So Everest Expedition has been my favorite ride for 10 years. And I ride it anywhere from 10 to 14 times while I'm there. So nobody can talk me out of Everest Expedition. So Jeff Vale, the president at Walt Disney World, I went for the opening of Cosmic Rewind. He goes, we are riding this and we're walking off. And I'm going to tell you right now, Jody, it's going to move Everest off your list. I'm like, no, never, never, never. So I do Cosmic Rewind. I walk off and he finds me. And Jeff is like, so I said, here's what I'm going to tell you. I'm going to put it equal to Everest Expedition, (laughs) but not above, because Everest Expedition is indoor-outdoor. It still has the drop of a lifetime. It still has the backwards craziness that Cosmic Rewind doesn't have. But I love Cosmic Rewind because you are flying. You're not on a roller coaster. You are flying in a saucer, and you never, ever feel that you are connected to any type of track. You literally are flying and it is the most amazing feeling. So did that five times in a row and I was a happy camper. So that's amazing. It's that stomach feeling that you get in uh, Everest though, that you just can't replicate anywhere else for sure. Well, thank you again so much for your time. And I have to say, I'm just going to throw out a recommendation to you. If you have not seen Ted Lasso yet, you need to go and check it out because it's all about kindness. So you Every need to go episode. and check that. Oh, Every good, episode. good. Excellent. Excellent. Um, I, I would promote for you. I, I would promote for you that I have a podcast called peanut butter and biscuits all about Ted Lasso, but that would be very shameless of me to okay. do. So I wouldn't do that. But anyway, though, the, the last thing, and, and this actually, we didn't get a chance to ask you this the last time we um, interviewed you because we hadn't started asking this final question, but our final question is just, you do hundreds of these types of interviews and we're wondering if there's a message or a story that you'd like to end on that you're never asked about that you just want to talk about or uh, something that you'd like to end uh, with our audience on. You know, I think, um, I think one of the things that I like to, to just leave people with is to, to, it's really simple. It's um, 
that God can do extraordinary things through ordinary people. And that was spoken into me when I was a homeschool mom and I was desperate because I was failing miserably. Um, that God can do these extraordinary things through very, very ordinary people who are willing, willing to get outside of the box and take a chance, willing to do something that's uncomfortable. Yeah. I like to do things that are comfortable. I'm in my wheelhouse. This is my comfort zone. So doing this book was way out of my comfort zone, very uncomfortable, way out of my wheelhouse. And so I just, uh, that's just something I, I think I, I like to leave with, with folks. Well, thank you so much for your time and your talent and now sharing that with your book, Part of My World, uh, which is going to be uh, available here in September. It's just wonderful to get another chance to talk to you, Jody. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you all so much for having thank me again. You. I Oh, it was just so great to get to talk to her again. I mean, like she, uh, she exudes, uh, it's, it's that kindness and that spirit that she has, but also, uh, Vanessa, I know you in particular, when we were talking about this book, part of my world, one of the things you really wanted to talk to her about was the vulnerability and the struggles that she's also had. She mentioned to us, she's not, she doesn't wake up necessarily a positive person. It's almost a choice that she makes to continue to be positive, but talk to me about, your uh, reaction to this interview. Yeah. You know, it's really fun because I think a lot of people think of her as a Disney princess and the positiveness, the, the positivity, the kindness that certainly kind of comp uh, complements that idea that she's very princess like, but unlike a Disney princess, the cockroach actually bit her in the face and, and enchanted those cockroaches were nice and helped clean that apartment. And they were not helping her clean that apartment. They were chowing down on Jody Benson's face, which is not good. Uh, but it's very real. It's a real experience that we all have. We all have struggles. And even those people that we look up to, even those celebrities, they have the struggles and, but they find ways of dealing with those issues. And I love that she took what she has learned. And I know she says she's a conduit, but, and that is true, but she also has these wonderful moments that she has experienced and she's taken a lesson away from those moments and shared that with us. And it, I'm telling you, a lot of the things she wrote in her book just really hit home with me. And I, I, I absolutely mean this when I say I have lots of little hearts uh, or I sometimes I'll write, love this, love this in the book. And I really encourage any of you who just want to pick up a good, feel good book and get to learn about some of those things that Brett loves, Broadway, Disney, all those things that he mentioned, Um, you know, get to learn about that too, but also just leave ending the book feeling really, really good. And getting to know her a bit more as a person. The three of us all were uh, privileged to get a copy of this book and be able to read it. And she mentioned at the beginning of the interview, it's not a Christian book. Clearly, the faith has guided her life. But I like that, Brett, you kind of positioned it more as a conversation piece. And I would say that anybody that's a Disney fan, clearly, this is a book for you. There's a lot of behind the scenes there that you can get. But also, if you are someone that's thinking about going into acting, if you're someone that just just likes Broadway history. Honestly, if you're someone that just enjoys that conversational type of uh, sense of getting to know someone and seeing their struggles and their uh, tribulations as well as their triumphs, this is a book for you as well. I could I could argue that just about everybody out there needs to read part of my world. But Brett, what were your reactions not only to the interview but also to the book? 
it, I loved it because I mean, it's as I as I said in the interview that I mean, it's everything I'd want. You know, it's it's you know hometown stories and and stories of Broadway and Disney, and it's all combined in a wonderful story that is true, and it's her story, and she shares it so wonderfully. It was interesting, Craig, that you said that you know that positivity is a choice. I I totally believe that. I am a pragmatic optimist because I see. I see the effects of being positive. And so, and, and when she said she's not always positive and she doesn't wake up like that, I'm like going, none of us do, but, but the idea of being a positive person towards other people and towards ourselves, um, I think is, is something that resonates in the book. And it's something that, you know, that I try to put in, in my life too. So it was good to, to kind of get that reinforcement. Yeah, you're doing okay. It's worked for me, you know? So I like that. Very much. Absolutely. Well, again, the book is available starting September 13th. So I believe if I'm looking forward to our release schedule, we will be releasing this right about the time that we're getting lots of information out from D23. So it's wonderful that it can be a companion piece. When you're off of that D23 high, you can go and pick up your book at an independent bookstore, but also available online as well. So September 13th, Part of My World by Jody Benson. If this is your first Beyond the Mouse because you have listened to Jody, you absolutely love Jody. We do too. Go back and listen to our first interview with her. It happened in 2020. I don't know the exact date. And I know it's these August. two, uh, mm-hmm. it was in August of 2020. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. So just about two years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. That is wonderful. And so go check that out. You can also find our other interviews. She mentioned Disney legend now, Don Hahn. We had the pleasure of speaking to him uh, earlier this year. And so it's great to be able to get some of those conversations. You can also listen to us just chatting Disney and all things Disney. We're also going to have quite a bit of D23 coverage as well. Whatever announcements we are in the midst of hearing this weekend, we will definitely cover that for you as well. So go and check that out by looking up Beyond the Mouse on any podcast feed. You can also follow us on social media. We're Beyond the Mouse Pod on Instagram. Beyond Mouse on Twitter, and then also on Facebook, Beyond the Mouse Podcast is our page. And we also have a group, which I really encourage you to join, which is Beyond the Mouse Podcast Pals, where you can chat with us in that group about all things Disney. You're probably seeing a lot of different posts right now about D23, for sure. Any final thoughts as we begin to wrap this up? Brett, I will go to you first. Well, I said the audiobook. I cannot wait to hear her tell her story. And, you know, when she mentioned that it was, you know, a hard hard thing to do. I'm like going, well, it's a wonderful story and I can't wait to hear her words and her voice. Absolutely. Yeah, I can't wait. Vanessa, any final thoughts? Well, I cannot wait to hear Delaney sing her daughter. I, I love the way she talks about her kids. I'm so excited for them. And it sounds like Delaney's just like a superstar. And I cannot wait to hear her perform someday. I'm seriously, when she said that they were performing in Florida, I thought, oh, I wonder if I can, can I fly down there? Do I have time? Can we go see I know, this? I was, I was going to check. I, I imagine that it's already sold out, right? If she's only doing it for two nights, but it might be worth at least a, a little bit of a check to see if Gypsy is an option for a a research trip for Beyond the Mouse, for sure. Uh, It was just so great if uh, Jody or uh, her publicist that helped us arrange this are listening back. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for this wonderful book that we can all turn to now and be able to, like we're having a conversation with Jody Benson, the conversation continues from uh, this moment in this podcast and this interview. It's just so great to get to talk to her today. So it's also great to get to talk to you. Make sure to follow us on social. Make sure to do all the things that podcasts ask you to do. But for Beyond the Mouse, I am Craig. I'm Vanessa. And I'm Brett. 
and we will see you real soon in the front row. Maybe uh, at a book signing or something else. Ooh, for book Benson. signing. Ooh, that'd be great. I don't know. I want to be in the front row, Gypsy. Yeah. Oh, that would be good. Those, that, that would be a pricey ticket. I'm just going to throw out there, that's probably a pricey ticket. So 